0: Well, it is a big, big day uh, in uh, our country. It may not be an official holiday, but uh, chances are you are completely have uh, plans this evening uh, to be watching the Super Bowl. Now, I get that uh, even though uh, my favorite team won't be playing, just like you, chances are uh, you'll still be watching even though your favorite team isn't playing. It's not so much about who I'm going to be rooting for. But it's probably a little bit more about who I'm rooting against uh, this evening. (laughs) As a Bengals fan, I've got uh, old history or recent history to choose from. Uh, But uh, the reality is is that uh, many people, uh, whether they like football or not, they're going to be watching the game. And, And it's not because you have to know anything about the game. You don't have to know anything about the teams. You will be watching the game because it's what everybody's doing. In fact, yesterday, the neighbor kid was over at the house uh, delivering uh, our stash of uh, Girl Scout cookies. And uh, as uh, she was uh, talking uh, with us, we're there at the door, and uh, Jen just asked her, you know, about, like, uh, what else they were doing this weekend. And she was all excited to share with us that uh, her family was having a Super Bowl party uh, today, of course. And and so Jen was like, oh, really? So who are you going to be rooting for? And she's like, i I'm rooting for that team that uh, Taylor Swift's boyfriend plays for. (laughs) She doesn't care about the final score. And the truth is that most people watching the game, they don't care about the final score. Uh, What they really are there for, besides to eat their weight and wings, is that they are all pumped about the commercials. You know the commercials. They become a phenomenon in their own right. I mean, it is big business. Uh, we uh, are able to to see like over a hundred million people gather in one place, and so uh advertising will come at us with all kinds of creativity uh, these These uh, companies are spending seven million dollars for a thirty second spot and, and what it has done is it's created this whole uh, cultural Uh, experience that uh, at the Super Bowl, these new commercials come out with just all kinds of like incredible images, Uh, they just kind of set the stage, in fact, we'll remember some classics, I I mean, uh, who of us do not recall like those Clydesdales, I mean, all the kind of different things that these horses were doing, remember the deal where they were uh, playing football and, and they kicked the extra point? And the the guy was like, man, that was interesting. And the old farmer said, yeah, normally they go for two. (laughs) Uh, But there's these images that we'll remember during the Super Bowl ads, whether it's the Doritos commercials or whether it's like a couple of babies that are giving financial advice. We've all got these images that come out during the Super Bowl ads. In fact, some of us. We don't want to admit it, but we're old enough to remember really probably the most classic, iconic Super Bowl ad is Mean Joe Green. He tosses his jersey to some kid who was willing to share a Coke with Mean Joe Green after the game. Uh, Incredible ads, and we all, uh, in fact, more people will be talking about the ads tomorrow than they will the game. That's assuming that uh, during the halftime show, there's no, like, wardrobe malfunction that takes place. <laughs> but last year, during the Super Bowl, there was these ads that came out that caught a lot of attention. Some good. A lot of criticism. They're going to be returning this evening. It's the He Gets Us campaign. It, these uh, these uh, He Gets Us commercials, you probably have seen them. They're all about Jesus Christ. And the purpose behind the He Gets Us commercials is to really to share with the world who Jesus really is. Uh, to remind us that his teachings are more about like a warm embrace rather than a cold shoulder. Because honestly, uh, the world's perception of Jesus has has grown widely misunderstood. And, and the purpose of these ads is to let us know that Jesus set the example. He he taught us of how to live and what it looks like to love one another and to truly see the Jesus that's found in the Bible. And so be be watching. First quarter, there'll be a 60-second ad about Jesus Christ. In the second half, you'll see a 15-second spot. But I'm telling you uh, that the purpose of these is so that the world may know who Jesus really is And invite us in to understanding his ways and to accept him and to walk with him. It's the same invitation that we see in Mark chapter 1. Grab your Bibles, if you will. Open it up to to Mark chapter 1. We're in this series. We've been tracking through beginning last week. In fact, man, I hope that you are participating with us in the uh, daily reading plan. Uh, We passed out these uh, little bookmarks last week. If you didn't get one, uh, they're out there in the lobby uh, on that tray uh, just as you're walking into uh, the worship center or even out at the Next Step Center. You can get these daily reading prompts, and it's just going to take you through the book of Mark over the course of the next eight weeks. Uh, But as we read in chapter 1 of Mark, uh, I want us to jump to verse 14. We left off just before this last week. And here's what, what Mark is sharing with us. As we come to understand that the Jesus who showed up sometimes is widely misunderstood. And we need to make sure that we truly know who Jesus is. So we're going to jump to verse 14 this morning. And here's what we find is Mark shares with us. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. What's going on here is that um, Mark references good news uh, there in his writings. He mentioned it last week, if you recall, right out of the gate in verse 1. The word is called uh, euangelion. It means this announcement of victory. It's all recognizing something that took place. There's this news that we're proclaiming in a powerful way that when something happened, it changes the course of history. Jesus is announcing the good news. And, of course, this victory is all about Jesus himself, the Messiah or a king, a king who was in the line of, of King David, a king who had all kinds of authority, all kinds of power. This king who was leading the way and letting us know that he was worth following. I mean, Jesus had just gone toe to toe with Satan in the wilderness, and he withstood the tempter's fiercest blows, and he came out victorious. And at that moment, his ministry begins, and his kingdom is ready to move forward and he's ready to invite us to join him and announcing that the time has come the kingdom of god is near what jesus wants us to understand is that he's declaring to a wrecked and weary world that there's a new way a new world that's available it's available to you it's available to me it's available to everyone and it acts It's actually the same world that Adam and Eve experienced back in the garden. Genesis chapter 1 and 2, we read about this world that God had created that was perfect. And he created mankind to live in this perfect world, in perfect harmony and relationship with him, the creator. They were created to be there in this relationship where psychologically, socially, spiritually, all was perfect. And they existed in that world because God was king. Well, now we read in chapter 3 of Genesis that the man chose to be his own king. Man chose to do his own things. And really, as he chooses to be his own king, he does something that probably we could identify with is that he became self-absorbed, self-centered, and when we're self-absorbed and we're self-centered, it has this uh, effect where it destroys all the relationships in our life, destroys our relationships with God, and it destroys our relationships with one another. I mean, who has time? Who has space? for other people when we're consumed with how we're feeling, how we're doing, how people are treating us. Am I proving myself to the world around me? Am I succeeding or am I failing? Am I being treated fairly and justly? You see, this is the world of self-centeredness that you and I live in and what happens is it it destroys the relationship that we have with God and we have with one another. But we go back to Mark chapter 1 and Jesus is announcing a new world. It's a new kingdom. It's available to everyone. And and what he's, he's calling you to... Is there again in verse 15, if it will show up? If not, he says, the time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Now, this word repentance or repent means to change your mind, or to turn away from. I know that sometimes uh, we believe that repentance means that I'm really, really, really sorry, and that's not what repentance means. Repentance means to turn away or to change one's mind, to change one's behavior. The idea is is that um, when Jesus calls us to repent, what he's saying is, now that you know the kingdom of God is present and available, it's time that you turn away from the kingdom of this world. Because when we change our mind, we begin to think differently. When we change our mind, we see the world differently. When we're willing to change our mind, what happens is that we have a different perspective. And when we change our mind, we change how we think And I want you to know that anytime I change the way I think, it inevitably changes my behavior. It it changes my reactions. It it changes uh, my response. And so, uh, question for you is, what would be different in your world this next week if you're In your world, what would be different? What would be different tomorrow than it is today, if you repented, if you were willing to change, to turn away from, turn away from the old world's trappings that's got a hold of you, if you would turn away from self-centeredness, from self-absorption? And I've got a couple of conversations this next week that I am not looking forward to, but what would change? In my right now, if I turned away from fear, if I turned away from just the the struggle that I inevitably think is going to happen, if I would be willing to trust that God is at work, that God is good, and that God is faithful, and that God knows what is best, what would change in your world this week if you repented? if you were willing to change and to turn away, if you change something that you know is a part of your self-centeredness, if you were willing to change your perspective about God's authority in your life, if you're willing to change a behavior that's destroying your relationship with God, it's destroying your relationship with those in your home and those that you care the most about, What would be different if you repented? But not only does Jesus call us to repent, he says that we are to believe the good news. Maybe you grew up thinking that um, the good news wasn't really good news at all. In fact, you thought it was bad news. I mean, maybe your experience with church or with God was that anytime you went into church, uh, what you thought people were saying as the good news was actually bad news because you walked out of there feeling worse about yourself than when you came in where it was this awareness and where people were pointing and you felt this shame and you felt this idea that there was no way that God would ever love you, that he was just crossing his arms, he was looking down on you with disdain in his eyes and with just the bitterness in his heart towards you. Many people grow up in an experience where that's what they think the good news means. We don't measure up, we're bad, and we need to basically Walk out of here with our tails between our legs. People, that is not the good news. Unfortunately, Christians have found more satisfaction in pointing out the sin in other people's lives rather than proclaiming the good news to them. I want us to be a people who are all about pointing out the good news of Jesus Christ, to proclaim. The gospel, and to understand that we are called to be lights that shine in the darkness, not people who condemn the darkness. Yeah. You know, at the very least, not only do we find it easy or natural to point out the sin in other people's lives, it's, it's really become a part of culture that we live in today. I mean, we see it over and over where it's just easier to point fingers. That's become all the rage. The cancel culture is now the norm. Uh, in fact, it, it's just easier to talk about people in our conversations than to talk with people. But Jesus is changing the narrative. Write that down. Commit that to just an understanding. Underline it and recognize Jesus Is changing the narrative. I've got good news, he said. He's using words that people had never heard before. Words like, Neither do I condemn you. Words like, Your faith has made you well. Words like, Your sins are forgiven. Lazarus, come out. This is the good news of Jesus Christ, and we need to focus and recognize that we've been called to believe the good news, to live in it. It's good news that God reigns. It's good news that he gives you strength and direction for your life. It's good news that your future is not determined by your past. It's good news that even though you are weak, he is strong. You see, the good news is that Jesus came and he changed things forever. And your response is simply to believe that this is so. You're probably familiar with John chapter 3, verse 16. What we should memorize, in addition, is John chapter 3, verses 17 and 18. Here's what we find. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world should be saved through him. The one who believes in him is not condemned. The one who does not believe has been condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the one and only Son of God. This is who Jesus is. This is his story. In his book, Jesus the King, Tim Keller is walking through Mark's Gospel. I've I've been reading through this book in preparation for this series. And Keller observes something that I thought was very compelling. He says that there's this major difference between Christianity and all other religions, including no religion at all. He states that the essence of other religions is advice. Meaning, this is what you have to do to please God. This is how you should live in order to earn your way to God. If you'll do this, you will experience nirvana. You know what? There's no God, so eat, drink, be merry. Live and let live, because nothing matters. It's just advice. But Christianity is essentially news. This is what's been done in history. Jesus came. This is how Jesus lives. A sinful life. Full of love and mercy and grace. This is how Jesus died for you so that your way back to God might be earned through what he did, not what you did. It's news. All other religions, all other... uh, Beliefs and philosophies is advice, but the gospel is that God connects to you, not on the basis of what you've done or haven't done, but on the basis of what Jesus has done in history for you. The story of Jesus is news. You see, Jesus is calling us to stop listening to advice and start living the good news. Who are you listening to? What are you chasing after? What are you looking for? What are you trying to accomplish? It's time that we stop listening to advice and we start living the good news. What it looks like to respond to the good news, Mark shows us right away in this next uh, story that he shares with us uh, in the In the verses beginning in verse sixteen uh, jesus uh, as Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. so in this scene, Jesus is bringing good news to the world, and he's inviting these brothers uh, to come out of their boat and to live in the story of the good news of Jesus. As disciples or followers of Jesus, they're invited to become like their master. They fished for a living, but Jesus came to save people. And as followers of Jesus, they were going to learn what it looked like to change their priority to people, to change their focus on people, to recognize that what was important to Jesus was now important to them. Uh, I, I think that what Jesus wants us to understand is that following Jesus will change your life. Yes. Following Jesus will dram- dramatically change your life. because I, I, I firmly believe you can't follow Jesus and not be changed. You cannot follow Jesus and not experience some life transformation. We talk about it all the time around here, that we exist to transform lives through the power of Jesus Christ. Your priorities, they're going to change. Your perspective, it changes now that you follow Jesus. Your passions will change. They will reflect the teacher. It's not because of anything that you do. It's because of what he's doing in you. And so we see this power that's made available by Jesus Christ as he's inviting others to join him. And so these fishermen, these brothers, uh, they saw that Jesus was different. They heard him teach with authority. And they sensed that his invitation would change their life. So in the very next verse, at once, they left their nets and followed him. Question for you is, are you willing to let Jesus lead and let go of everything else? Stop trying to earn your way to God. Let go of self-absorption and self-centeredness. Follow the king who's already done everything for you. You see, Jesus invites everyone to live in this good news. very next verse, he continued that invitation. When he got a little bit further, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. See, the gospel that Jesus proclaimed is not about choosing to follow advice. Rather, it's about being called to follow a king. Someone who has power and authority. Uh, Jesus is not somebody that takes his power and authority and just tells you what needs to be done. But he's someone with the power and authority to do what needs to be done. And he offers it to you as good news. We would be wise to repent and believe the good news. Change our mind. Change our direction. Be willing to turn away from the old world and walk new with Jesus Christ. It's an invitation we offer to you every week. It's an invitation that's open all the time. uh, To hear that Jesus has come to give us life in life to the full. It's a life that, that we don't have to accomplish anything but believe. Believe that he is the Christ, the king, the son of the living God. My prayer is that you will choose uh, to walk with him, that you will experience a life transformation that comes only because you're walking in his footsteps. You're not charting your own. Pray with me. Lord God, we are so grateful for your love, for your mercy, for your power, and for just the way that you have shown us of your incredible love for us. Father God, we are grateful that Jesus uh, comes and calls us to his side, that he doesn't just tell us what to do, but he walks with us in that journey through the power of the Holy Spirit, your power is made available to us. And when we submit to your authority and we recognize that it is better to let you lead and for us to let go, then we truly experience all that you have come to bring us. A restoration of life. A restoration of relationship with you. Lord, thank you for all that you have done. May your glory be revealed in our lives. It's the name of Jesus Christ, the one who saves us. We pray this. Amen. Let's stand and let's just worship knowing that he is our king.